What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk the Podcast. This is Money, your friendly Sid fanatic. Oh I my love God. you, Sid. Okay, that's I enough. know she listens. All right. I just get this. Moving right along. <laughs> and so, uh, I'm Nikita, and I am your friendly and contrary to popular belief, Thickums. You are not a thick I am. Okay. I'm going to let you have it. Please let me have that. Okay. I like my girl's BBW. Which would include <laughs> me. <laughs> no, girl. But all right. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vow to sight, my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light, I'm loving your soul They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go Worldwide from every continent, I just want you to jig a little bit Move them hips, feel that bliss, hug your sister, make a fist Don't resist your temptation, you amazing, no limitation My favorite in this matrix, we move by your vibration And that's love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love, you love. All right, so where can they find us? Folks can find us on Instagram at Queer Walk Pod, and you can also find us on Twitter at the same uh, handle, Queer Walk Pod, and also on QueerWalk.com. And where can they listen to us? You can find the podcast on iTunes. At, wait, you said Apple, Apple Podcasts. Podcast. Apple Podcasts. The purple app? The purple app. SoundCloud or Google Play. Wah, wah. <laughs> Google Play. Google Play. For everyone who <laughs> listens on Google Play, I love and support you. Nikita over here shading Google Play. Money loves and supports we- you because somebody has to. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what? We we get consistently. All right. Right. I, on Google Play. It you doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you listen as long as you listen. All right. So moving right along. The money? Yeah, similarly with contributing to the podcast, it doesn't matter how much you contribute, as long as you contribute at paypal.me slash queerwoc. Yes, boss. (laughs) Would you stop it? (laughs) You treat me like an overseer. So, Nikita, it's cuffing season. I ain't got no bae. Shit, me either. Have you heard Curve Chronicles? But if I had a bay, I would be heading over to charliejco.com where there is all types of apparel from hats to t-shirts to mugs catered to queer women of color. That's right. So while bay season is in full swing, go ahead, head over to charliejco.com and use the code QueerWOC at checkout to take advantage of free shipping. Yeah, I know I'm about to get me one of them queer hats, you know. Oh, I can't wait to get me a queer hat, queer snapback. And also, I really like the BOI boy shirt, so I will be copping that as well. Yeah. And use Queer Walk at checkout for free shipping in the U.S. So head over to charliejco.com and get you your bae gifts. All right, so Ahmad, you should introduce yourself. Yeah. Hey everyone, um, that was really eccentric. That's not who I am most of the time. But anyway, so my name is Ahmad. Um, I'm a great friend of Nikita and Montanique. They are like amazing sisters to me. Um, 
And so yeah, I'm here chilling with them. Who are you? Oh, so yeah, um, I'm a mod. Um, I don't do I talk about like where I'm from and things like that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, yeah. I don't think we have any Chicago listeners, so get us some. Yeah, please. Well, yeah. So I am from the great city um, of the Midwest, known as Chicago. Um, put some more into okay, whatever no. <laughs> whatever the Chicago signal is that y'all do. We, to get, we actually to get don't Chicago do those things. Up. Um, so yeah, no, I'm gang, from Chicago. Gang, gang. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> That is anti-black. Bow, <laughs> Anti-black. Fuck you, <laughs> well, you know, I'm Katie! A, I'm, wow, we're actually deleting all of this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm from Southside Chicago. I am a student here at uh, Syracuse. I am an art history major, and I also work in video art and short film. And he's also a total baddie. Baddie. Certified baddie. Certified. Oh, we have to put a link to your videos in the description, too, because... Sure. Your videos are haunting and beautiful. Right. I'm glad. He's totally an illustrious filmmaker. Absolutely. (laughs) Hire him. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you want to go into Queer Walks of the Week? Yes. So what is Queer Walk of the Week? So Queer Walk of the Week is our segment where basically we highlight all of the queer and trans women of color who have been fucking it up over the past two weeks. So... Yeah, just uplift their work because there's not really platforms that do that on a consistent basis, so. And speaking of which, so uh, this week uh, we have two queer women of the week. So the first one is Raina Gossett. So there's a new documentary that just came out on Netflix. Netflix. It's called The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. And for folks um, who may not know, uh, Marsha P. Johnson was a black trans woman on the vanguard of the Stonewall riot. Um, It said that she uh, threw the first brick. So really important in uh, black queer and black trans history. Um, So having this documentary documentary and having works about her life is obviously something that's really important. Mm-hmm. Well, um, a lot of folks may know, but I, I was on Twitter over the weekend and I saw Janet Mock tweeting that apparently uh, Raina Gossett actually, and along with another uh, woman named Sarah uh, Wurzel, had a documentary called Happy B-Day uh, Marsha, Happy Birthday Marsha. And so, uh, word on the street is that David That they France, have been working on for, like, years. They've been working on it, yeah, for a, lo- a long time. I've done a lot of archival work. And so, uh, David France, who's the creator of the new documentary, uh, Marsha P. Johnson. That's Who is a white dude. A white cis filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently saw this work, um, and he basically ripped, uh, ripped off Raina Gossett and Sarah Wurzel. And um, I don't have the quote in front of me, but uh, Raina Gossett posted on her uh, Twitter account, and it was really striking uh, what she said. She was like, wow, David France basically has out this new multi-million dollar um, deal, this movie, this documentary out with Netflix. I'm basically out here asking people to help me pay my rent money. And so that's really disgusting. And of course, David France wrote back some milquetoast, whack-ass response that really didn't address the fact that he's ripped off a uh, black trans woman, and in the while he's trying to tell the story of uh, a black trans woman, another black trans woman, and that's just disgusting, mm-hmm. and it's not okay. So it's really important um, that people uh, go uh, just Google Raina Gossett, and I think she has a PayPal or a Venmo, and just yes. make sure that you give a black women, yeah. black women, your money because this kind of fuck shit, you know, shows that people, you know, aren't supporting black trans women, aren't supporting black women the way that they should. Right. Truly. I was going to say, no, mm-hmm. but, like, just to 
Raina came and spoke at Syracuse, and then mm-hmm. she also, over the summer, um, I had just saw her speak at the Brooklyn Museum about her film during the month of June, when the Brooklyn Museum had, like, all those black queer events, and she's been putting in a lot of work, and it's so, like, yeah, when yeah. I read it, I was like, what the fuck? Like, no, like, I don't know, it was just really infuriating, because I literally saw it on Netflix, I'm like, oh, it came out already, and I was like, wait, that's not hers. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of, so I don't remember the, uh, the documentarian's names who did either of these films, but... Paris is burning. Um, Jenny Livingston, I think that was that. That, that was that white wretch, bitch. Right. Um, the the ways in which white people come along and take a history that's not theirs and then make like big big ass money off of it and don't give uh, don't give back to first of all the people in these documentaries, their estates, like whatever. So many people from Paris is burning died like penniless and broke as fuck. Right. While she gets to like go on and have. Oh, 25th anniversary of Paris is Burning and check after check after check and the black and brown queer and trans folks who made that possible right. for her, um, you know, die poor. Okay. I haven't seen it and now I feel like I don't want to see it. Right. Which, and, oh, I don't even know how to like say this, but it does another violence, right? Because um, it's not like, oh, boycott the Marsha P. Johnson right, film. Because exactly. what, like, what would that feel like, you know, for us to be like, don't watch it. Blah, blah, blah. But then you stole from an alive. An alive. An alive black trans Who's struggling to to pay rent as we speak. Yeah. Want to do a second queer walk? Yeah. So, um, I saw this on uh, Facebook. It happened about a week ago. So About a week ago. Are you done? Okay. You done? (laughs) You can't say about a week ago (laughs) in a room Uh, with black people. You're right. You're right. You're right. Fair (laughs) enough. Please don't take away my black card. So, um, there was um, a concert happening in Egypt. Um, so, the group uh, is actually uh, called Mashru Layla. It's a uh, Lebanese alternative rock band. And the lead singer of Mashru Layla is actually um, queer. Uh, so, he's a gay man. And so, there was all of these people that were at this concert. And they were waving um, around um, LGBT, you know, queer pride flags. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, there's been a really horrific crackdown on queer people, uh, particularly uh, gay men. Uh, so the Queer Walk of the Week um, is actually a woman named uh, Sarah Hagazi. Um, I'm actually not sure if she identifies uh, as queer, but she was one of the women um, that was rounded up in um, this horrific crackdown on queer people um, at this concert. And I, I know we'll talk about this later, but even if she doesn't identify as queer, like right. this, this is this is queer in action. It feels exactly. like, like this. Um, Oh, I don't. I don't want to say it's almost like her identity doesn't matter. But even if she doesn't identify as right. queer, she was treated. As she was queer written, in that as moment, queer. written as exactly. queer. Exactly. Had an uh, a rainbow a flag. flag. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 likely knew the consequences. Exactly. Right? But but she still, but going, still yeah. came out. So I've been seeing that there's about it's been about thirty to fifty men who have been arrested. And the thing that's really interesting that I've been reading about Sarah Hagazi is that she's one of the um, only like one of the few women uh, who's been rounded up in one of these uh, roundups of queer people. So um, you know, queer walk is international. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even though maybe shipping, <laughs> you can't get your shipping international. <laughs> you do get some good ass international solidarity, right? Um, from uh, queer walk, and so. 
another thing that I just wanted to, um, yes, I think it'd be useful to point out yes. is that, you know, there's all these really uh, nasty, uh, racist, imperialist tropes about, you know, countries in the Middle East and North Africa being like, quote unquote, backward the and Caribbean, homophobic. They do it exactly. to any black or exactly. brown country. Yeah. And not to mention, you know, when you start talking about, you know, imperialism, never mind the fact that the U.S. is usually instrumental in propping up the most reactionary and conservative regimes um, in some of these countries anyway. But I feel like uh, something else to point out is the fact that just uh, recently, um, so I think that there was in the United Nations, there was this vote. Um, to ban countries or like to make it to make it so that queer people um, aren't uh, subjected to the death penalty in other countries. And so again, in some countries, it's punishable by death, by death to be queer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so just to point out the contradictions, because, you know, again, people would love to say, oh, look how backward Egypt is. But the the U.S. actually um, decided to not vote against um, that whatever measure or policy that was uh, to get rid of uh, the death penalty for being queer. And it's really interesting. And like the U.S. with, you know, the current administration is actually being like front and sw- front and center. And it's, uh, you know, clearly vile, barbaric racism. And like the stated reason, uh, this is from a woman named Heather Nauert. Who the fuck cares how to pronounce her name? I don't know if that's right. <laughs> uh, that bitch don't deserve no good name recognition. But she's from the State Department. And this is a direct quote. She said, we voted against that resolution because of broader concerns about the resolution's approach to condemning the death penalty in all circumstances. And it called for the abolition of the death penalty altogether. Because that's so fucking horrible. Exactly. <laughs> and we all know how vile and how how barbaric and how racist the death penalty is. That's right? what I was just about to say. Uh, and, oh, my gosh. So, so basically what she's saying is we didn't vote against... Uh, the death penalty be taken off because we want to still kill niggas. Basically, <laughs> that, that 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 is the Negro translation for the fuck shit that's coming out of the State Department. So I think that anytime again the uh, you know the U.S. tries to paint these awful tropes, you know about um, people and you know and. In black and brown countries, we can point to the barbaric regime of death that we're like, that the U.S. you know machine is metting out, you know, left and right. So, yeah. wow. Well, Fuck. she's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so is Raina. Yeah, I think that these were, um, I think that these were two great uh, queer women of the week. Yeah. Just like, out here, not standing for the bullshit. Right. Like, it's just like... <laughs> We can't see your middle fingers. I was about to say, the, the closed <laughs> caption as Ahmad feverishly flips the middle fingers um, that, in the air. That was the Chicago code. Is that... They're gonna fuck I, do, do you hear that? That's the, that's the sound of the stampede of Chicago <laughs> listeners. Um, so, community, tribu- community <laughs> contributors of the week. Uh, first, I want to give a huge shout out to Sophia, who hit us up on the PayPal. Thank you so much for your contribution, but especially for your message that you sent along. And I'm going to read it. Thank you for contributing to make space for queer folks such as... Uh, continuing to make space for queer folks such as myself. You definitely don't get enough respect on your name or your labor. You are seen and appreciated. Oh, thank you, Sophia. <laughs> Thank you. And the... (laughs) You tried it. And the next contributor, community contributor, uh, is Shaka Khan Jr. And it looks like Shaka Khan Jr. wants to tell us something good. Is that a Shaka Khan song? 
I'm a, yes, you youngins. <laughs> who, who the fuck am I sitting with right now? I didn't know that was a shock of so. You you should delete oh, this. You I should delete kidding. this segment because you should be embarrassed. Bless their young hearts. Anyway, Shaka Khan Jr. Uh, left us a comment and a five-star review on iTunes. And uh, they said, I just love it. Uh, Queer Walk is funny, queer, and smart as hell. Facts. They're going to take that back when they find out I didn't know that one. Yeah, <laughs> wow. We just, it's just a, a, a tad bit before my time. Is that early? Early Shaka Khan? Who are you? Yeah, he- this is Shaka Khan and Rufus. You okay? Can- yeah, early Shaka Khan. Yes, I'm, early. I'm more aware that um, ain't nobody '80s. Well, bl- bless your sweet young heart. Thank you. All right, this just all I know about Shaka Khan is uh, she went to my she, high school. She was a, a radical <gasps> political activist. So. She did. She's, so she's from Chicago? Yeah. Well, I don't know if she's from Chicago. She moved no, there. Uh, well, there go all the Chicago <laughs> listeners, Ahmad. We were this... You had one job, Ahmad. One we job. We asked you one to job. bring in the Chicago demographics. And you fucked that up. But yes, she was She was um, active in the, the Black but Radical yeah, movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I know about Shaka Khan. Um, wow. All right. And then also, you know, we always want to give a shout out to Kid. For your continued uh, support of Queer Walk as a space, as a page, as everything. You always um, keep us out there. I see you liking, reblogging, and contributing on PayPal. Thank you so much, kid. Thank you, kid. All right. We want to do my mental moment now? Yeah, we want to move on to the mental moment with money. I feel like that needs its own song. Mental moment with money. Yeah. Oh my god, that was whack. That was so good. <laughs> no, wait, it gotta be the R&B version. It's the mental moment with With money. money. Why did you wait? That's not like the Mary J. Christine <laughs> check that. The letters. Rest up, Tina. What's in the new mental, mo- mental moment, money? <laughs> Coping mechanisms. <laughs> And boundaries. Why are we like shading our grace like this? <laughs> Yo. Yeah. So as we're recording this, it is the National Mental Health Awareness Day, and um, so I you I've noticed that I was on a trend of doing things that were romantic relationship charged. So I wanted to back up, especially because last week a lot of my favorite podcasts talked about friendships, and so I also wanted to talk about friendships and the importance of friendships. Um, and their, um, proven benefits to our mental and physical health. So I just wanted to like give a little highlight and overview of the importance of friendship on this like mental health awareness day. So the first study is by William Chovic. It's actually not that important that you know who he is. <laughs> uh, he just did the first study. Um, so he surveyed 7,000 of the oldest Americans in the country Um, And what he found was that they all reported friendship as being, like, a contributor to their lives being so long. So, this is, like, 85-plus people who have lived to be 85-plus. That's, like, it's, like, the extreme. So, if this was a bell curve, this would be the extreme end of age in the country. Um, And so, they all reported, like, friendship, right? And so, this is not um, by any mistake. So, as we age, as we get older, our... um, 
family relationships actually tend to be the source of a lot of stress uh, because we have to provide for uh, aging parents, because we have to now provide for children if you uh, choose to reproduce, or because family relationships can just be complicated when you're queer. Um, And so those are uh, sources of stress. And when you have relationships that are close to you, that are sites of stress, it uh, is heavily linked to chronic illness, such as like heart disease, uh, hypertension in black folk. Like we know those things like stress are not good for us. But as we get older, friendships tend to be the spaces that we get to have fun and um, do things that we actually enjoy doing. So it feels less like a commitment and more mm. like a celebration. Right. Um, so friendship actually gets linked to um, stress-reducing things. Like, And I talked about stress reduction before. Um, so yeah, so friendship actually has a positive impact on our life longevity. And I wanted to add this uh, other study, not by a white man, out of... Uh, the San Francisco area on like fictive kin among the oldest of old African Americans um, in the Bay Area. So what do you mean by fictive kin? So fictive kin is a term that I think mostly sociologists use. And for anthropologists. A- anthropologists. Aren't anthropologists sociologists? Never mind. Separate fields. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not tell Sasha. <laughs> so, an- so sociology is the study of people. And like... Anthropology is the study of... It's like, sometimes it's like cultures. It's, I mean, we could get into a long debate about the histories between the two, but, I mean, they're roughly the same. Sasha just turned the episode off. I just heard it click. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We love you, Sasha. Yeah, and so, a sociologist then. Sociology. Uh, So, fictive kin is basically folks who you have selected to be your right. your uh, family. Right. So I think in um, queer of color communities, we are very familiar with this from like house houses and um, like families in mm-hmm. that way uh, to just having a group of friends who's mm-hmm. more like a family than, oh, um, I? I wish you would say these things because right. people can't hear you. Um. <laughs> It was just a really cute moment uh, where I, when she said that, I, I just, like, embraced them slowly. <laughs> okay. Ever so lightly. Now he's narrating the <laughs> hug. Okay. Um, and so another word people use is, like, chosen family yep. or selected family, um, things like that. And so uh, I'm just, basically uh, what I'm trying to say is, like, this this stuff is backed up by research. And so yeah. um, not that that, that is uh, necessarily important because... I don't know how many of y'all follow me on Twitter, but I also feel like there's that pull that I always resist. Like this, um, if it ain't in the Academy, it never happened. But the Academy actually responds to what we live and do every day. So like they can't study the positive impacts on fictive kin in African-American communities if we weren't actually doing these things already. So we, we take care of people who aren't related to us and they take care of us. Um, And so I wanted to highlight this study because it says that fictive kin Fictive kin have a more active and supportive kinship network for us than um, a lot of our uh, blood relatives. And um, and more distant uh, kin to us can also be upgraded to, like, primary kin status. Great. Play cousins. Play cousins, all those things. They um, actually improve our quality of life. And so I just wanted to make that my moment of mental well-being on this day of Mental health awareness. That's so great. Check in with your fictive kin. See how they doing. That was cute. Did you mean to rhyme like that or 
check in with your fictive kin. You know, uh, you Queen and Jay been telling me to drop a mixtape. Acting I'm, like I got bars. I'm just, I'm ready. <laughs> we need them Queen's bars. I don't have them. You got them. come to the wrong place. Oh, this is our new segment, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. And so this segment is... This week's episode is brought to you by... The Personal is Political. <laughs> I like how you did that. A little newscaster <laughs> voice. Okay, so in this episode, in this, not episode, in this segment, we break down a term or a phrase that gets used a lot in, like, social justice jargon right. or a lot across, like, podcasts that might be more radical right. in their politics around liberation. Um, and just talk about, like, what that that term actually means. And right. so what we mean when we say it. So when you hear it, you won't be lost. Right. Or just understand, because something... I've realized is that I feel like a lot of times a lot of us use the same vocabulary, but we actually mean different Talk things. Talk about different things. Yeah. Um, so it's just really important for us to be specific and define what it is that we're actually um, talking about. Yeah. So uh, should we talk about why we picked the personal as political? I don't remember, girl. Well, I do, and I would like to talk about it. Well, it's all you, boo. Okay. So, I want to thank everybody who hit us up for the um, bisexuality and biphobia episode, which was our last episode. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. It was pretty good, if I must say so myself. It was very good. Top notch. And it actually hit... the most plays that we that I've ever had on a queer walk episode um, in the first day. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Um, but a question that, or maybe it's not a question. It's just a feeling that I think I had during recording and also afterwards was around um, this like straight passing or uh, straight oh, passing right. privilege uh, that came up in our conversation uh, with Tori. Um, and so the personal is political became, came to be our, like, uh, phrase for, for this week's episode, because I think Nikita was trying to hit on it in that episode that there's desire, right? There's uh, like what we do. And then there's how like the world, this is my wording of it, but you said, you said three different words, but it's desire, it's our um, behavior. And then it's how the world reads us. Right. Yeah, so I think I said desire, identity, and practice. Right, right, right. So this this is what I was trying to ask in that episode, but don't think I did a really good job doing. When I think about um, my friends and trying to uh, undo by erasure, by phobia, any of that stuff, um, my queer women friends who date men, and similarly to my um, my queer friends who are guys who also date women, like they. They get to occupy a space in public where they're read as a heterosexual relationship that I never get to occupy because mm-hmm. I don't date men. So I'm never like moving throughout the world being read as a, a heterosexual couple. And I totally hear what what Tori is saying that any relationship she's in is inherently queer because right. she's queer. However, semicolon, like you still have access to these institutional and public um, ways of being as a heterosexual couple by being read as a heterosexual right, right. couple. Right, right. So there's there's how like she or anybody else would make meaning of their personal, right. um, re- of their personal relationship, which I think is I think that that's a really sharp and important intervention. And then like what you said is really important, like going back to how it's actually um, read in in the broader society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that brings us to the personal is political. 
you had. I feel like you got a citation waiting over there. Sorry, I'm, what a, just- <laughs> I'm totally a nerd. Um, well, I mean, I guess the thing that I think about with the personal um, is political. So there's. So it's unclear. Uh, there's, I think there's different like debates within um, different feminist uh, circles about where the phrase originates from. But there's, I think a lot of us know it uh, through Audre Lorde and in mm-hmm. her essay, The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House. Ooh, girl, and that's then, another one we could... We could spend a whole... That, yeah, we ain't got time. Right. <laughs> Praise the Lord ending in E. And then there's... the Lord ain't through with me yet. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> I still fuck a bitch up and quote, and quote Audrey Lord while I'm doing it. She. <laughs> wow, I did not see that's going there. Uh, but there's also another um, uh, feminist. I think she was white, actually. Her name was Carol, like Hannish or something like that. Doesn't matter. It, yeah, it don't matter. But I think that something that is important about what where the phrase. Uh, originates there's this well i can't find the quote not that i'm looking to oh here it is so she says uh one of the first things that we discover in these groups and the groups uh she was talking about our consciousness raising groups uh so one of the first things we discover in these groups is that personal problems are political problems there are no personal solutions at this time uh there is only collective action for a collective solution and so I think that that's also a really um, important, like going back to that history is also like really important because the whole idea behind the personal is political is that the things that women were in these consciousness raising groups that they were bringing to the groups, mm-hmm. they realized, oh, this is something that's not actually happening to me. And it's not only is it happening to other women, but more importantly, there's a there's like a systemic reason as to why that's happening. There are structural right. forces mm-hmm. that actually shape my, um, my personal life. And so sometimes I've like that's also really important because I feel like it's gotten sometimes when we talk about feminism we talk about it in a really narrow like individual sense but it is about a broader like political and like collective project and so something I think and I'm, I'm sorry I'm just about to put my organizer hat on because I am I'm an organizer in my uh, in my uh, in my day job but when she says there's only collective action um, for a collective solution so I think it's getting at okay if we understand that the forces that are like arrayed against us and that impact it impact our lives, then we have to collectively get together, like to fight, you know, to overturn those structures. That I, I think that that's also really important, and that that makes it uh, um, more attackable too. So I think about like the um, the there's power in people, yeah. And so when you start when you start to think about like my personal problem is attached to your personal problem, right? Because of this broader political problem, right? Then, then suddenly it's not just me arguing with a doctor about birth control, right? It's like us talking about like reproductive, right? Uh, oppression, really, exactly that women face, or like in the case of like uh, like women of color, it's like oh. I got sterilized. My mama got right, sterilized. Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. I I find out my homegirl's mama, who's from Puerto Rico, got right. sterilized. And it's like, well, what was the collective demand, mm-hmm. and how can we organize in such a way to like to like not just fight um, sterilizations, but like how would we get reparations? Mm-hmm. You know, for that. And I think that. I mean, I could go on and on about this, but something I think that's also... The reason why I think collective action is really important is because... Um, well, one of the... Fu- I'm sorry. No, I'm go ahead. Go ahead. But one of the functions of, like, oppression... Because I'm a narrative therapist, and so, uh, like, people are always like, oh, how is a how is a story? How is telling my story going to change my life? Right. Because we, like... 
Huh? I'll just say you'd be surprised, like, doing story, like, digital story work and, like, video, but, like, you can continue. Exactly. Can like, that's, but that's the way that all three of our, yeah. um, and there's no, there's no accident that all three of our work is, like, based around story because we are all black queer bodies in right. the world. Is that it, it no longer becomes, like, you in isolation because that's, that's the one of the, like, very um, private functions of oppression. Exactly. It's to make you feel like you are the only one going through this. There, there's yeah. a deficit in you as to why this is happening that's, to you. That's what and I was so about to it, say. It yeah. keeps you quiet. It keep, it, Like, your story never gets told. Oh, my God. And I just, I just want to rant about this. But this makes me, like, pointing to the fact that, like, things are, like, collective and, like, structural. It just makes me think about that uh, silly shit that Amanda Seals was talking about. That bi- Okay. <laughs> But so uh, you know, you know, the first thing I thought was uh, that moment on one of the, the episode where they were talking about dick sucking, right? But Molly said, "Girl, set your light skin ass down." That was, oh my god, I thought the same shit. I, oh my god, I thought the same shit. You have been around them white girls in the private schools too. All right, now you talking to bitch. Ooh, just. I, shit, I didn't. My blood is boiling. I didn't realize mm. how mad I was about this. I was like, "Damn, I got a passport. I don't go nowhere." So, but but <laughs> what I wanted to say, like going back to that, is like the reason why, like um, the reason why people, black people, don't have resources and wealth in our community is not because of no fucking Jordans, yeah. right? So I'm like, if this bitch is gonna be out here talking yeah. about people buying Jordans and buying mm-hmm. passports, it's like, why have wages been declining? You know, for the past 40, 40 years, like precipitously, why are black mm-hmm. folks unemployed? I'm like, if this yeah. bitch isn't gonna be talking about a living wage yeah. or like worker owned co ops to where black people or like poor people and working class people in general can not only have wages, but mm-hmm. actually have some kind of collective way to like generate wealth, then bitch, you know, you can get a passport too. You can go straight to hell. <laughs> Where's your passport? Get at? that stamp. Right, get that stamp, bitch. You <laughs> know, know what I'm saying? So that's, 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 again, that's like a structure, like that's. It's not yeah. black people don't have yeah. access to wealth because we buy, we buy fucking J's, right? Bitch. Right. Because okay, so remember when we were at the live taping of uh, brunch and budgets podcast? Oh yeah. Um, they they made a it was like very clear for those people who like numbers. But if every white person in America stopped working right now, it would take two hundred thirty four yeah. years. For the wage gap between black households and white households to stop. Right. That And if you line it up, that's pretty much the exact amount of time that black folks were enslaved and that right. cotton was like this huge um, wealth producer for white people. Right. So, so not, not, no amount of days. Right. Can, <laughs> I, could, I could own every J ever created. Ever created. And that would not do anything for a 234 year wage gap. Not, not that, and that's that's best case scenario. That's right. Given that, like institutional racism just suddenly disappears, right? Which it right. Also, right, didn't right. so. Yeah, and and so she had tweeted something like, "It's funny that y'all dragging me for saying this, but when Jay Z said it, y'all was all." Mm-hmm. First of all, people dragged Jay Z right, for that too. Right? Where were you during this time? <laughs> right. When so what, I think what she's talking about, he said something about. um you know what's more important than throwing money in a strip club credit. Right. But then the next line is, you want to know why Jewish people own all the property in America? Right. That's how they did it. Again, like, folks dragged him for that. Right. You can't, you can't compare, like, black wealth 
to Jewish wealth in this country because Jewish folks came to this country as refugees. Right. And 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 this country protected and in a lot of ways like aided their process in doing so. Um the US is complicit and implicit in the uh, creation of Israel and right. all of that stuff. Like don't like don't even That's know. That's a whole another episode about Zionism and <laughs> imperialism. But the personal is political, right? right? So like um you can't sit here and talk about it's not poor choices as right. to why black people are poor and Jewish people were able to gain wealth in this country. Right. It's not about money management. $150 is not going to make a difference in the global scheme of like uh, travel in the world market. Where the fuck am I supposed to go? Oh, and I was about to say, <laughs> where is for $150? <laughs> Bitch, I can't even go across state lines. <laughs> You know, a ticket from from New York City to Dallas, Texas is $425. My friend uh, just went to New York City uh, from Syracuse on a flight. Round trip is $174. (laughs) We we can't even go across county lines. Yeah. Because even I drove, I always drive my car when I go to the city because I'm like, it's cheaper. But it's $35 both ways for And gas. you know, the tolls in the New toll? York City are like $700 easily. <laughs> it's a, it's, it was a $15 toll to get in. for one bridge. And uh-uh. if you want to cross boroughs, the oh. Uh-uh. <laughs> cross up that $8 move. Yeah. Okay. And, and I mean, I mean, I won't get into like um, Israel and like what's happening with Palestinians, but. We can see how much it mirrors the the way that the United States is like constructed, and the way that we it's not it's not constructed to, so that we have access to travel even across and amongst states. Shit, even in the same state, right? Like I can't I can't travel and move freely around New York because of tolls, because right. of gas, because shit. Do I have a driver's license? Right. I did not know that. Um, like if you go to jail for certain things, they can take your driver's license from you. And um, also, I'm going to, again, put on my organizing hat. There's If you're undocumented, yeah. uh, there's only 12 states where if you're undocumented, you can get access to driver's license. So here in New York State, we have been fighting on the green light campaign to expand access uh, to driver's licenses. Because in New York, prior to 2001, if you were undocumented, you could get a driver's license. But because of the racism of 9-11, mm-hmm. after that, if you were undocumented, you weren't allowed to get access um, to driver's license. So, I mean, I think that you're raising an, an important point about the broader, uh, a broader issue around mobility. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and like, what about, you know, I think that like some of the calls from like different movements, particularly like the immigrants rights movement have been raising, what would it actually mean to live in a world, you know, without um, borders? And I mean, while we're on this, because what we're really getting at is capitalism. And so capital has the ability to move across borders freely, yeah, but yeah, yeah. people can't. Yep. And so and just the last thing I wanted to mention about um, capitalism, people always think that capitalism is just about, you know, not having enough money. And in some cases, uh, you know, I mean, that's like an effect of it. But capitalism really means that people don't like the vast majority of people and it's disproportionately people of color do not have access to ownership. Uh, and and, yes. that, and so it's so, like because we don't because mm-hmm. we don't own you know to use the Marxist jargon the means the of, means of the means of production yes. is like we're forced to sell our way to sell our labor right. for a living and you get right. paid a, a piddly little mm-hmm. wage it's like it's it's that uh, huge gulf between mm-hmm. those who own and those who have the wealth by by way of the fact that they um, own versus those of us who don't and that that's the real issue. So I'm glad you said this. Your um your Marxist. I'm about to say. Because so um I was listening 
And um, there's a lot of posts on Instagram. That, and shit, the critique, the reason why Amanda and uh, Jay-Z are like getting dragged for these things is because like we cannot replace capitalism yes. with like black capitalism. There's no black like, liberation in black capitalism. There's no liberation in capitalism, period. Whether, whether it's yeah. two black billionaires, exactly. three black billionaires, like distribution of wealth yes. is where, where yeah. liberation is. Man, <laughs> no, y'all know, y'all know I'm like 75. So this book came out in 1969 but I swear to God Nikita you're gonna read it. To read it no you're gonna read this shit and it's just gonna and it's gonna feel just like today it's called Black Awakening and Capitalist America it was written by this dude in the movement Robert L. Allen and one of the things that he says that it's important to point out is that individual black wealth this is what money was just getting at money as in Martinique not the, not, not yeah. the cash but individual it's my nickname no relation to capitalism <laughs> Individual black wealth actually does not translate to communal uh, redistribution. I mean, we see that, right? So even even as like Jay Z is telling us all to be like black black billionaires, right? How can we, right? Exactly. (laughs) You know, like because we have been dispossessed from the means of production, and maybe in a later episode we'll discuss what we'll Mm -hmm. define the means of production further. And yeah, because I'm thinking like we this this was supposed to be the segment on the personal is political, but I think. That does speak to the personal being um, political that a lot of people think that capitalism just means like if we call for an end to capitalism, we mean that like getting rich or like money is the problem. Money as in money, not right. money like me. But <laughs> but that's not what we're actually saying when we say capitalism. There's no liberation in capitalism. Right. And it's exactly what you were saying that I don't think people understand. Even So people like, but I'm, I'm securing the bag. I'm getting this paper. But you are still selling your wages, right. your work, for um, your, your labor for wages. Right. And so it, whenever we like set that up in that way, then you have... A few people at the top who are owners and majority of people, if we're lucky, as workers. Right, exactly. Because I remember there was this one quote, it's like, the only thing worse than being exploited under capitalism, basically, you know, selling your wage, selling your labor for a wage, is not being exploited. So Mm -hmm. being unemployed, right? But, Mm -hmm. wow, we just... It makes me think of the way we even talk about, like, work or um, wealth and, like, saying you're broke. right. That like suddenly you as a whole person right, are right. no longer a person because you don't have money right mm. and and it's just gas niggas like yeah no, no, no. <laughs> we used to say dusty you dusty Oof. probably because that's that's probably what the bank account looks like when it's just dust blowing <laughs> what do you call, what do you call a, a tumbleweed just roll across your bank account <laughs> my bank account hit twenty one cents this summer. Ooh. Bitch, my, my my account one time has I've had seventy one cents and I was like balling. <laughs> as, long as, as long as I stay out that negative, I feel yeah. like I'm all right. That's yeah, nice. sorry, a goal, a goal. I haven't been broke that much this year. Only in the beginning and right now. <laughs> so <laughs> only in the beginning and the middle. <laughs> in the end. <laughs> but you see, there the person was political, right? So if three black queer exactly. <laughs> Exactly. If I broke, this seems to speak to a systemic and I And I bet there's a, a bunch of listeners like, oh, bitch, I'll be broke too. It's like, well, why the fuck are we all so broke, right? Capitalism will not save you. 
Okay. Wow, yeah, that's real. Moving yes. forward. Um, Moving on along. Curse Chronicles. No, no, no. Ooh, we were talking. Let, so, let me not take over. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm going to sit back. <laughs> yeah, so we was going to skip the topic all together. Okay. Oh, But right. it, it might roll together. But so in following with the personal is political, I thought we could talk about preferences. Ooh. Because, like, and like I said, we lightweight. So this this conversation actually sparked the biphobia conversation. Right. But we had that conversation first. But we were originally talking about preferences and how they play out. What happens in the dating scenes when we are trying to form relationships as queer and trans folks of color. So anybody want to Amal, you got to go ahead, boo. Oh my goodness. Um, because when you said you doing a preference episode, oh my but I, re- I remember that, right? And now all of a sudden you want to be tight lipped oh and coquettish um, and I'm shit. I'm not being tight lipped or coquettish. Um, but no. So my my thoughts on just like so I was on Tumblr one time a long time ago, and I was like, hmm, people. Okay, so let's talk about. I guess more so the reason why the conversation came up when we had it like in private, like. Um, just talking to each other. Is it like a lot of the black, gay, mm-hmm. uh, or recently coming out um, artists like Frank Ocean, I guess. He's been out for a while though, so he doesn't really. Um, but like, who's Steve the list Lacey. Now? Steve Lacey. Um, many like just other, these little artists that are coming out. Um, Tyler the Creator recently Tyler came the out. Tyler the Creator. Um, McConan yeah. recently whoa, came whoa, out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tyler the Creator, that's confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, he himself. Mm-hmm. Um, McConan, the rapper, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. came out like a while ago, early this year. I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting some other people. But anyway, the whole point was like preference. Um, they all came out and then they all started dating white men. Like literally every single one of them. Like every single one. Yeah. Or they had been dating and they decided to come out then mm-hmm. and there. Uh, ooh, Brockhampton, that group, um, or that boy, uh, Kevin Abstract and the well. So like there was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. just like a, like an influx. Every single queer black person who's like has some type of visibility um, in the media or in music, um, in art in general, is comfortable dating white men. And also they're comfortable saying like, well, Steve Lacey sparked it initially saying like i only date uh i wouldn't date a black man um like i see them as my brothers and for me i just find it to be like insanely problematic one because like well what is the if you don't want to date black men i'm just like well i don't even look like you there are many Mm -hmm. different shades of black they're like black is not like a monolith in Mm -hmm. terms of like phenotypes Mm -hmm. like there's (laughs) there's a whole spectrum of race that you get to before white if you're saying you don't want to date a black man and that's the real (laughs) thing honestly but we um (laughs) And so, yeah, it was like, and then I think um, Tyler, the creator, said something very similarly, um, like, he wouldn't date black guys. Um, I don't remember the exact quote, but I think it was... I don't remember the exact quote, but I remember a long time ago, because I've been an Odd Future fan for, like, years, and um, he was asked about white girls, because at the time, I guess, he was only dating white girls. And he was like, well, they're the only ones who come to my shows, and they're the only ones who are interested in the things I'm interested in. And I think we have this conversation a lot, too. It's like, uh, there's too many black people who say that for you, (laughs) for that to be true. Right, right. Like, like, um, you're not the only skateboarding black person. That's what I'm trying to say. I have no patience Mm. for that shit. I think it all does what you just said. Like, it, it tries to make blackness a monolith. So, so, so and um, 
I mean, Jay says this all the time on Tea with Queen and Jay. Special black? Yes, the special blacks. And that that is a product of white supremacy mm. to think that blackness is only one thing. Right. And because you don't do it in the way that white supremacy tells you you're supposed right. to do it, right. that right. you're somehow right. a special black. Right. So Steve Lacey be like, oh, I play a guitar and I'm... And I, like, Nigga, yeah. Chuck Berry, Jimi <laughs> Hendrix, Rosetta <laughs> Thorpe. I mean, bitch, come on. Prince. Prince. <laughs> My grandpa. I mean, come on. <laughs> Negro, please. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then also, when you came up to mention, like, okay, well, then the alternatives to, like, go straight to white. I'm like, there's yes. literally so many other race, so many mm-hmm. ethnicities you could possibly think of. And it isn't. Right. And it's like, fine, date whoever you want. Like, I don't really care. It's more so that every single person who is visible, every single person, like, I don't, I, mm-hmm. there is black love that's on um, own yeah. currently. Like, yeah. I, like, caught a snippet of it while I was on my little vacation back home. And I was just like, Yes, everyone who's on here is, is a heterosexual couple. And I'm like, okay, well, what qu- black queer power couples or celebrity couples even are there that right. exist? And it's like, yeah, they may not be like A-list celebrities, but they're visible and we know them. And they, we, it's like, it's a little frustrating because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. if you're a baby gay, if you're like a baby queer, you know what I'm saying? You like, don't you, have, you don't see yeah. it. I feel like you have to be deep off in the community in order to know examples of yeah. um, like black queer love. Because it's not, it's not just like, oh, you can scream out a name and that be a couple. You know, mm-hmm. like Will and Jada right. or um, like Gabrielle Union and D-Wade. Like people right. can name those heterosexual right. examples of. So now Lathan and Regina Hall, I'm just talking about my, <laughs> my fantasies here. SZA and Kaylani would be a super cute couple. Kaylani have a girl. Oh, I forgot about SZA, yeah. That, that is a queer representation. Um, Kaylani and her girl. Yeah. We, do we know Kaylani's girl's name? I mean, I don't listen to her music personally. That's not no shame. It's just I just don't. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. Know I mean, there's like a few songs that are like bops for me. Speaking of honey, I like my girls just like I like my honey. You know, I don't know nothing Sweet that came out in the last selfish. ten years. It's Kaylani. It's a new bop. I like my women like I like my money. Oh, green, a little jealous. Oh, that's cute. Ah, the Ooh. pretty girl. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, looks like we're moving into oh, the money musical. <laughs> I guess I'll also just, for me to get my last little bit out about preference, at least with these specific people who are in visibility, is more so like in like on this topic of like for younger queer people who are like struggling with coming out or like struggling mm-hmm. with their identities and like how desire and like what that means for them, especially if they're queer people of color. It's that if you see all your idols, because, like, they pretty much target an audience that is the youth. They, they pretty much all yeah. target, like, youth, mm-hmm. like, very young audiences. So, like, you continually see, like, oh, everyone who's out here is just, like, they find, like, this is what the thing is. And it's not me. That's not what I look like. I don't want to say, like, everyone will be, like, influenced by that. But it's just also, it's just a little frustrating. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Diversify your, um, your, your taste. Yeah. And also, like, interrogate mm-hmm. where those preferences come from. That's my thing. Like, um... I don't think it's any, like, so that's what somebody was asking Steve Lacey to do. Like, you just, you just said you don't date black men, but why? And his response was even more fucked up than just straight up saying he don't date black men. To me, saying that, oh, I grew up with them. I see them as my brothers. That, that feels like a... That feels like an internal... I don't know. It feels like a... I, I think it was more so he was like, I hope you all do well. We yes, that's, yes, that's exactly what it felt like. I feel like it was like, like a your PR black thing. Life matters, but I, I think I think that he probably realized 
this probably gonna sound fucked up, so let me be like, oh, well, we're brothers, there's kin, you know. We're happy, and we're singing, and we're colored. Give me a high five. From a whitey. (laughs) (laughs) Is that funny? But I think that you raise an interesting, um, uh, both of you are raising an interesting point, though, about, like, interrogating, um... I guess I wonder, do people actively interrogate, not just interrogate, but actually change their desires? Like, I feel like I remember vividly when, um, because I think that, I mean, I was, I mean, we're all, like, deeply mired in, like, you know, white supremacist, Eurocentric, and all kinds of other uh, beauty standards. So I feel like I've seen my own um, desires change and, like, mm-hmm. my uh, sense of attraction change, but it wasn't, like, a deliberate thing. Like, I didn't wake up one day saying, I'm really going to make an effort to be mm-hmm. attracted. But mm-hmm. I feel like as my, like, con- as my political consciousness right. changed, I realized so my... Just, so, so too yeah. did my... And I think the important thing is not just did as my political consciousness changed in my desires for other people change but i feel like like in a deeper appreciation for my own um like my my own body my own beauty Come started on, to grow Nikita. as well but i Uncle guess Nick. <laughs> auntie thick <laughs> that's gonna be my new name <laughs> but so i guess i'm like i guess mm-hmm. it seems so it's, it seems You're like right. a, it's, it seems like mm-hmm. a difficult thing to be like okay I, like no one actively or maybe i should say i think that would be an interesting question do people like actively say okay i need to be attracted to x y and z or or is it through that deeper like um learning about where realizing that your desire actually isn't this just kind of like thing floating out in the ether that it's actually just, shaped yeah. mm-hmm. that is just, your desire is just like untouched by any right, other fuckery right, right. of the world Exactly. No, I was gonna say like I, I mean like when it comes to interrogating, because like obviously I wasn't in this space either. Like when I first grew up, like I was very you know like oh I did find white men attractive. I did find like white girls mm-hmm. when I did think of, like you know what I'm saying. I did find that attractive. And then it's like I really did think about okay, well I also don't even look at myself in the mirror most of the days uh, when I was before. I'm like at this level, I'm like I don't even see like what people can find attractive in me. I don't see where the desire is in myself. So then it's like once you finally or like start the process of finding okay, mm-hmm. well. I like my face. I like this part of my face. Mm-hmm. Um, I like um, the way that I feel when I'm around these people who are like me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just finding things in modes of like intimacy, not only with yourself, and then finding intimacy among in like different ways and understanding like, okay, well, why? I don't know. I just feel like asking questions and like once you like someone like calls you out and be like, well, damn, hmm. I really do only look at white guys. Right. I really do only look at light skinned guys. Mm-hmm. I really do only look at, you know, guys who act a certain way. Who are right. like, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, do I really not find these men attractive? I'm going to like, let me look at all these pictures. I don't know. It's just something I did. I was like looking at like, why do I not find this person attractive? And if I've like kept finding the same reason and it's like a reason that is something that's based in like right. white supremacy, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, am I, um, maybe that's not real. You should probably like, rework through that and I don't know how you work each person can work through that separately but I just feel like that's one a hard question to ask yourself but it's also you know it's the work yeah there's something else this is making me think think of like on the flip side is that like I still I got this point in my life I don't think I'm particularly like, interested in um dating men but I mean I feel like anybody who knows me that I'm real quick to point out a daddy who's that dad you know I but you, you know I you know I cat called some man on the street <laughs> hey little daddy the um is it still called cat calling if you I don't I don't I don't know what you we're call not gonna it. gender this shit it's called cat calling for them niggas too so. <laughs> But this man just had this real nice beard. And I was like, I was like, ooh, I was like, you got a nice beard. He's like, who? He's like, you talking to me? I was like, yes, I'm talking to you. He was like, well, thank you. But um, I say all that to um, say that, like, I st- I'm very much, um, so I feel like I'm attracted to men, but I've, 
and again, this is where desire and all yeah. these other things get shaped. It's like, I know that I'm also read in a particular kind of way. So I feel like, I'm like, oh, that man is attractive. And it's like, I don't know if I'm still like attracted to men or not because I'm like, just being in this body is like, what are the <laughs> odds? What are the odds that <laughs> men are. Compulsive homosexuality. It's compulsive. <laughs> But I'm like, I'm like, me and this nigga wearing the same outfit. Like right, he's right. not, like he's not going to take me out anywhere. So you know, so go this ahead. Is interesting because I was at the Sid concert last night, and there was a guy there with his girlfriend. But it was clear that he was attracted to Sid, mm. like so obvious because the girlfriend wasn't familiar with Sid's music, and he was like, "Oh, this is my song," and he he screamed out a few times, "You better sing, girl." Or something like that. Uh-huh. But it was so obvious that he found her attractive. That is so he's interesting. He's screaming like I'm screaming. Like, <laughs> 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 and, you see a pair of boxer briefs go yeah. up on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And and I think, uh, you know, she. this is not my first time seeing her live. But she we said know. that, like, <laughs> she said uh, last night, like, I know there's a lot of women here tonight. Girl power, you know. <laughs> I love the women or whatever, you know. She gay. Of and she's very open about that. But it's obvious that men don't just come because they with their girlfriends, right, you right, know. Like, right. they also find her attractive. And so, I think, like, that there speaks to, like, preference and desire in some way, too. Yeah. Like, just because you're a masculine presenting woman doesn't mean that a man can't and won't find you attractive. That's true. Exactly. Listen, but the odds I've, seem very low. It depends. Oh, I guess it depends. Yeah, it, mm, it depends. I find hella studs attractive. I also find hella, like, fanboys attractive. Would you I have find, a data stud? I feel like that's not a question for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I sure. I don't mind. Like, I'm open to in most things. Um, Ooh. I just, I've, I've never conceptualized that for myself. But, um... To answer your question, <laughs> about to say um, about a time when I like literally stopped and create create desire um, to change my desire. One when I realized I'm like, why am I fucking with these white niggas? Oh well, mm-hmm. I take that back. I was fucking with white guys for a minute, and I was like, I kept getting rejected. I'm like, they're white anyway, so that's more that was one thing. Mm-hmm. So then I stopped talking to white men for a majority, um, and I, I guess I'll keep that until the grave. And then um, Another time when I changed my desire, I guess more so recently, like, when, like, what type of man do I find attractive? Or, like, mm-hmm. what type of, like, you know, gay man do I find attractive? And I've realized, like, that, like I'm attracted to masculinity or I'm attracted to, like, that, like, that mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the idea of the, you know, the virile man. Um, mm. um, and that's probably in, like, you know, gay, like, you know, right. communities in general. But um, forcing myself to, like, find many femme-identifying or femme-just, like, presenting men... Um, and like finding desire in them, and like also seeing that desire within myself as more That's of a femme good. man, as right. like femme queer man. So like I find hella like femme um, men attractive, like they're hella pretty. I like like love pretty boys, but um, yeah. Also the, mm. the, the pretty boys also like find pretty boys attractive. I don't know because a lot of like most Do of us w- yeah. like masculinity. Mm. And, like right. not, it's not yeah. often that femme guys are like in relationship together, like or like you know femme mm-hmm. presenting people um, are super always together. I mean at least not in the, like that queer male community they obviously are but you know there's definitely that yeah i'm thinking so i think the more i learned to like love myself i attracted a different type of person Mm. like a different type of of woman approached me the more i started to like love myself say more about that um 
So in my early stages of especially around like being out about being gay, I think it was like what Ahmad said around I don't even see the desire myself. So like who who would find me desirable? Right, right, right. So um and at that time it was like YouTube was just starting or just getting popular, as you reminded me. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um but there was there was like this exported image of a light skinned stud with either cornrows or locks. And, like, that was the pinnacle of, right. like, lesbian success. If you can lock down a light-skinned stud with cornrows or locks. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> um, and so I think that that's what I was attracting. Because, I don't know. It felt like they they knew that they were the most desired mm-hmm. in the community. Uh-huh. And they sp- smelled the insecurity on right. me. So it was just like this... Horrible, toxic right, right, right. Um, combination. But as I started to be like, wait, I'm the shit. I'm cute. I, I know I look good in this outfit, and not even just like in an in like an aesthetic way, but feeling feeling beautiful. Like right. my, my aura. I know yeah. I have something to add. Yeah, I'm a bomb ass person to talk exactly. to. Exactly. Um, you know, all these things. When I actually started, like, not even I wouldn't say I fell in love with them because I didn't. I don't. I honestly don't think that I fell in love with who I am as a person until very recently. Same. Like, maybe in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started to acknowledge them, like, no, I I have good conversations, so you need to be able to right, speak right, to me, right. not just look cute. Um, that those those people stop approaching me. Like, I stopped getting approached by like, these light-skinned cornrows stuff. Uh-huh. And I started to to meet women who look different. Right. Femme women. Right. Um... Thicker women. Ooh. Yeah. But so you know how I, I love a thick woman. I'll just leave it there. The I women. think we've got the point. <laughs> we get it. We get Thank it. Thank you. I'm not talking about myself. <laughs> well, I, although I you know am. it starts there. Right. You, you know they say lesbianism is narcissism. Who says that? that? You can't say shit like that on a podcast. So people could like snip it and be like, you know they said. I don't remember who said it. Oh. Probably Sigmund Freud with his racist misogynistic. <laughs> it was a, it was a lesbian that said it. I think. I don't know. We'll have to cut it. Do you honestly think that your desires change, or do you just stop acting on them? Nothing. I I legitimately think that they changed. I agree. Hmm. Because especially if they come from a spot when like you realize, oh, this is just like racialized, like yeah, yeah, of, yeah. like hate. Like <laughs> I'm just like internalized, and like once you like recognize it and continually to like antagonize that thought Mm -hmm. then it's like okay um i feel like you're just like holding on to fears that aren't really real real, (laughs) and so then you can like finally act upon them hopefully you're in a space where you won't hurt that person you won't say Mm -hmm. anything that's like fucked up or like still like harbor any of those behaviors because that's what i was thinking i feel like um people who message me who inbox me Specifically, this is the specific time, mm. and I need to stop saying people. It's, it's women. Women who inbox me um, are trying to work through their like fat phobia Ugh. on some level, you know. So mm. it's like I also don't want to be that space for you. So sure, right, sure, you're trying to um, like interrogate your desires and blah blah blah, and maybe you do find me attractive, but you still trying to find a girl that you're like. Instagram followers will approve right, of or right. double click the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you shouldn't be trying to like interrogate your preferences and desires in relation to people. Who, yeah. You know, I think I see a lot of that with like dark skinned women and fat yeah. women. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like people are just like, 
oh, my beautiful dark skin goddess love. You know? <laughs> and you're like, simmer down. <laughs> because that's that's also um, uh, like objectifying. Yeah, and exactly. Exotifying. You exactly. know, like, okay, exoticizing. Um, I was like, all right now. I think people have done that to me about my weight, like my size. So it'd be like, Oh, you're the first big girl that I've been attracted to. I think that's a lie, but okay. Right. <laughs> also, that's offensive. I'm like, nigga, what? You want to find none of these other pretty bitches? Okay. Exactly. Right. I don't want to be anybody's first anything. Yeah. Any, that's that's kind of... Oof. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i just... I'm still shaking off the remnants of that from yeah. my, my last situation, but I think that that's... Yeah. I think it needs to be an intern... And it, 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 it actually needs to be like a self-love voyage that you embark on. Yeah. And that transforms your um, desires. Right, right, exactly. right, right. Because, right. yeah. Because yeah, you, y'all hurt that person or those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, so when you're like raising these questions around like desire and practice, I feel like I've known this about myself for a long time. I feel like who I'm, I feel like I have an extremely uh, wide range of who I'm attracted to. But I think in practice, like who I would actually um, like be in a relationship with is, or who I would like sleep with is, is far it's far narrow. more narrow yeah. than the broad attraction. That's what I'm realizing about myself. And what I was just about to say is I think I was more worried about preferences in my younger 20s. But the closer 30 comes for me, the more I'm like, if you don't see how bomb I am, then it's two middle fingers to you. Right, like right, I, don't, right. it's, I think that's, that window is narrow. It's getting so narrow. It's, it's not even a window no more. It's like a vent. Right. <laughs> it's just a... Uh, um, it's like a hole in the wall. Yeah. I feel like those are two different things, though. When you talk about who is attractive, well, three different things. So who's attractive, mm-hmm. who you sleep with, right. and who you would date. Yeah, yeah. totally. Because um, attractive is probably the highest. Percentage, yeah. Um, I find lots of people. Who I would sleep with is is, a, is a pretty close, um, depending for me, at least. Um, for me, okay, so here's the thing with me. So I find a lot of people physically attractive. Same. Like, damn, ooh, baddie, can get it. <laughs> But then it's like, if there's no conversation that also stimulates me, then it's just like... Exactly. It just dries right up. Mm. I be talking to these niggas, they be so damn boring. I'm like, oh, I don't even want to fuck you because you're going to waste my time. (laughs) So that's that's what's hard for me is like, if I have a conversation with you and I feel like you're somebody I could talk to or would want to be around more, and I find you physically attractive... that that attraction doesn't go away. Right, <laughs> right, sense? right. Like, no, I get that. I'm just like, oh. it's like there, 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 there. Oh, gone. And if those <laughs> things aren't there, I think, I think for me, I, that used to be ironically that used to be really important, and it's not as important. It's still important now, but I feel like, um, I feel like compatibility is really important. Like I feel like everybody that knows me is like I'm a total curmudgeon. So it's like somebody who has like a way of like. I don't know, I'm just a bad person, and things really get on my nerves, and people really get on my nerves. So if you don't, like, get on my nerves, or if you could just, like, I feel like I need some, like, space every now and then, and if you're, like, not annoying about that, or, um, like, I don't know, this sounds, like, really, like, kind of, like, cliche, but, like, um, I think a lot of times, unintentionally or intentionally, people can, like, be really cutthroat in social justice, and so it's, like, somebody who's, like, really kind is, like, really important Mm -hmm, to me. I feel mm -hmm. like I'm just thinking more about, like, what are the traits, because even if you're not, like, a good, 
um, like a good fit for me in terms of a partner, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're like not a good person. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. I think I'm like as I get older, mm-hmm. I'm realizing what are the what are the traits and the characteristics that um, that most like nourish me and vice versa. I feel like that's yeah. what I have to figure out. Okay, like I can be in a relationship with this person. Ah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, my preferences when it comes to just like how I want to be treated. I don't know. It's kind of, I don't really think about this currently because I'm not even thinking about dating, but the times that I was and the times that I guess I will be again, um, I really do want someone who is like funny and just makes me feel good. I don't know. I, yeah. I enjoy humor. Funny is important. Yeah. Like humor to me, like I'm pretty humorous, but also a lot of my humor is very dry and like very, it can't be like, it comes from a place of it's like just the Serengeti. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll explain that. <laughs> It's a, it's desert. a desert. Oh, the ser- oh. I thought the Serengeti was like a flourishing area. You Sahara? mean Sahara? Okay, there we go. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> um, the Sahara Desert. I yes. guess I was told. But um, I thought the Serengeti was like yeah, moving right along. Animals there, and so um, <laughs> not animals. I think that you know finding someone who's like can make me laugh is really a thing. Also, I like learning from other people. So mm. like. People, at least guys I've been with, they'll, like, really want to be like, oh, you're so smart, you're so intelligent, like, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I'm like, thank you, because, you know, I'm a Gemini, and I appreciate that shit, but also, <laughs> it's like, I want someone who's, like, intellectually stimulating and challenging. Yeah. Teach um, me things, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I actually kind of like when people are into stuff that I'm not into. Oh, my God, I was just about to say. I, that's, like, a turn-off for me, because I really love learning stuff. Yeah. And, like, like I like it when someone's, like, really passionate and excited um, about something about, about something. about Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. I'd be like, look at them go. So, okay. Yes. <laughs> Talk about that shit. You better do it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. that geological fauna. Yes. <laughs> Tell me the difference between the Serengeti and Sahara. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I really should Google this. I, really, I kind of feel like it's in Kenya, but I'm not particularly hmm. sure. I think, wait a minute. I thought I had two types. Never mind. Because I think I've actually dated that type. You've also. dated that type. Who have you actually dated? I, I think that's more interesting because it's like preference in action. I've I've dated folks who fuck with gender, um, almost exclusively masculine. Yeah, yeah. That's all I've dated. Yeah. No hair. That's not like a thing for me though. No I don't hair. know. Yeah, hair. Oh. Like everybody I've dated and or like been in situations with with. Have had like no longer than ear length hair. Yeah, and that that would be long. <laughs> That's actually that would be pretty long for you. I but. don't know why. I I do know that I really like. Um, you like the auntie cuts. <laughs> the, the what? The cuts? auntie cuts. The auntie cuts. Yeah. No, that is so <laughs> accurate. No, it's not. That is. There's nothing wrong with an auntie I like, cut. I like. Um, I like big chops, like natural, okay. just start. You Your know, auntie cut. That's not an auntie. That's that. That's the auntie that left that trash ass nigga of a husband. The kids finally moved out, and she. That's she's free. your type, okay? Ooh, okay. Well, you, <laughs> na- nailed it. Wow, not my type. Okay. I have not date. So the niggas I've had sex with that I guess I would date. Um, I was gonna say um. They typically, you know, like, older. That's one. I guess that's one trait. Um, <laughs> they typically are, my height is shorter. I do like tall guys, though. I don't really be with tall guys that often. But now I have an appreciation for short guys. I do appreciate a short little stocky man. 
I don't know what that is. Short, let me see. <laughs> Short, I define as like, I'm 5'9", five, 5'10 five, on good days. 5'6". Um, is the shortest I think I've been with. I don't know. Anyway, um, let's see. What else have they been? I mean, there's a... They've had interesting lives. They've all been, like, wild. Mm. <laughs> wild. What does that mean, wild? Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, that type. Um, just, like, living life off the edge. Um, probably yeah. shouldn't be doing things, you know. <laughs> mm. um, things you can't speak on a podcast. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's for the, the late, late, late night. Yeah, yeah. Queer walk. All right. Just, just so y'all know, we record it's 11.46 at night. That's, that's why it's late. a little off. We usually record in the afternoon, and the, Yeah, though. the afternoon, right. Oh. The daylight hours. Right. But you know what I was just thinking? Like, I've, yes, that's all that I've dated and had sex with, but that's also all that's approached me. Right, right. That's that's and a huge piece So of I it. think when we, talking, when we talk about preferences, also, um, I don't want to deny what your friend was saying, because... For example, I think your friend is bad as shit, but she is she has not like expressed any interest in me, and so I'm not gonna right. express interest in her, especially because. Well, um, anyway, but <laughs> but I think she was right when she said that white girls are more forthcoming when they're interested in you. Mm. So w- whenever I've been approached in physical life, it's always been a white girl. They flock it's never, to you, honey. They, I just walk in a room. I've witnessed this. They like dart, will push me out of the way, <laughs> jump over chairs, do a catapult and a pole vault just to get to your ass. I've witnessed this shit in action. And there's only so many months of not getting any that you could just be like Listen. let me loose white girl <laughs> <laughs> what would they say on harlot turn turn you turn me loose you bed wench <laughs> i need you to stop watching harlot whatever you and hulu original <laughs> she called me <laughs> <laughs> all right nope we're not gonna say that on the air we're moving right along. You don't want everybody. My, don't you don't want you everybody do it. to know. You called me. No, a- I didn't. No, we covering the mic. She called me. A- I will burn the whole house down, and we will never record again. All right. Twice. I think that. <laughs> you have to watch the show to appreciate. I be t- is that a term of endearment? I think it's. I just think it's so foul that if there's anybody in this room that should understand confidentiality, it would be the therapist. You, I live on Front Street with you. So, so that was confidential. That yes, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that being called. All right, we're not gonna repeat a it. slur from the 1600s. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but. Yes, there's something to that too. Like, who um, approaches you? Yeah, who approaches me? Because I, um, so I think I was talking to my sister about this, but she was like, "Oh, so you only like studs?" And I was like, "No, that's just studs are the only ones who, who right. reciprocate or talk to me mm-hmm. like that." Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if that has to do with like dominant narrative around what relationships are supposed like, to look like. Yeah. But I have, I mean, been glaringly like, I like you with femmes, and they're just like. Mm, such great friends yeah 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 and it's just never happened so there's also that too yeah that's totally the same uh for me in terms of like i think it's probably like the the spectrum of femme but i feel like it's mostly femmes uh that have like approached me 
So And you're more masculine presenting than I am. Exactly. But I am definitely more masculine than you. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows I'm a delicate flower. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have nothing really to add to that. Okay. So we can wrap up uh, right. <laughs> preferences. Uh, there's just one. That. This sound, it's, sounds really out of left field. But just to try to connect what uh, we were talking about earlier with the personal is political and like structures and like collective. I just think um, it's really important. I mean, I know that we all know this, but it's just, again, stressing the importance of, uh, like, widespread, like, social change, um, how that actually, like, happens. So, it's, like, that's why, like, when, like, the Black Panthers and, like, the Black uh, Liberation Movement was, like, oh, like, Black is beautiful and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it's not it's not just, so even though it's important, it's not just important, uh, it's not enough for us as individuals to, like, change our ideas, but it's, like, how can, like, um, like how can, like, movements, like, you know, have, like, widespread cultural shifts right. so we all can, like, right. you know, reimagine what, right. you know, um, beauty and all mm-hmm. other sorts of things are. Curved Chronicles is the segment where I talk about getting curved and dating or... Oh, I got so many stories. <laughs> <laughs> or where you've curved someone. It's um, really basically the I'm dating fail segment. Okay. Do you want to share a Curved Chronicle? I mean, you are the guest. They hear my my woes all the time. Um, I guess I'll you know spice it up with a, a curving and a curved. Okay. Story. <laughs> um. Well, I guess. What do y'all count as a curve? So like when I be it just like ignore. It could just be a dating fail. It doesn't have to be. Oh, a dating fail. Oh, yeah. let me talk about this. Uh, you want the 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 moment? <laughs> I guess it wouldn't. Like, you no, know, I guess no, that's a curve. Okay, so <laughs> I was um you know at this little cute concert. Um, Cardi B performed at. A museum in New York City, and it was cool. And I was on a date with this boy. Can we shout out? I didn't know Cardi B was performing at museum. That's what the fuck I was thinking. Oh yeah, she was performing at the Museum of Modern Art, um, the Contemporary um, Part PS One. Um, they have this summer event that's popping. Anyway, but yeah, no, like she shut that shit down. It was packed. Everybody came from her. Like it was amazing. Like looking at the videos. Anyway, and so I was on this cute little date with dude ass. Um, and so we talking like he has his friends there my friends there we cool whatever whoa, 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 whoa. we all dancing and shit cardi b go on then she finished and so we had a great time I'm like oh this is a great day like things are going well like we were talking slowly you know like we didn't have sex yet you know we just we just like we're, we're, we're going at the pace that i think is you know right and so um some 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 folks come around you know like the the crowd shift a bit um as people change and so like these other um queer brown boys come up and you know like we like talking like dancing around each other somehow white people like started to encircle us um just like naturally so we kind of like stuck together and we were just like all dancing out of nowhere he and one of the boys just start dancing with each other and i'm like what the fuck is going on the guy you were on a date with (laughs) yes the nigga i was on a date with he like um, cause we like, we weren't like really touchy touchy or anything like that. Cause I'm like, we in public, you know what I'm saying? I don't even like that type of attention with a nigga I don't even really know like that. So like, we're dancing with each other and we're all dancing in like in proximity. And then like, he like just grabs him and starts dancing. And I'm like, wow. So you wanted to do this. You just didn't want to do it with me. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I felt so, I was like, damn. I'm like, this is the biggest cut. So I'm looking at my friend. It's like loud. We said a concert, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, hmm, do I go off right now or do I wait? And so that's going in my head for like 10, 20 minutes. We decide to leave eventually. 20 minutes. They still dance? No, no. They only danced oh. for like five. Like I turned around. I, I kind of like, I was like, I don't know what to do. Because like I was, I, the second it happened, my energy like, 
changed, switched immediately, like immediately. And like, it was just permeating. Like I was just seething with anger and I just felt so embarrassed. Um, and so we end up leaving the space. I go get some food. Um, and he comes with to come some, to go get some food. Um, at this place around the corner, my shit is at his house, mind you. His house is around the corner as well. And so, so this was like a whole day. This was an entire day. We met up before. We planned the night before. We planned the week before. We got the tickets together. We talked about it. And so then, um, and so I'm just like pressed. So like I see them like exchange numbers and shit, and I'm just like, wow. And I'm like, is he just like doing this to like hurt me, or is he like really think that this is okay? So I'm like starting to just understand because at this point I'm like over him, you know. Obviously, I'm just trying to see. And so and also he has my shit at his house. And so I'm, you know, we finish eating. When I'm talking to him while we're eating, I'm just like trying to like get to know him a little bit better because I'm like, who are you? Because I'm just like. And so we're talking to him, and he's like, I'm about his job. And he's like, oh, I'm really, really tired. Like, I'm, I think I want to go sleep. Because we were out for all day. It was a day type of concert. And so I, we leave. I get my shit from his house, and he says he's going to go to sleep. I go home. I was in the, living in the Bronx. You know, I take my little ass up on the, uh, the fire train up to, you know, 149, <laughs> get off, and, you know, get back in my bed. And then um, wake up the next morning, um, perusing my apps, you know, Twitter, all that shit. Get on Instagram, check the story, check his story. Cause I'm like, oh, let me see one of the, like the snaps that he, you know, I'm just like, whatever, being nosy. I get on this nigga snap, I see a club. <laughs> and I'm just like, we were at an outside enclosure and you said you were going to sleep. So I was like, wow. I'm like, so <laughs> he went to sleep. That's this nigga, he went back out and he went back out with them niggas um, that he had met. And I, so at this point, I like, I, was, I say something to him. So I'm like, wow, like, you really fucking, did. like, do you think I'm stupid? You know, I was just more so like going off. He was like, oh my God, I just, you know, like, you live in the Bronx and like, we went out in the Brooklyn. I didn't want to call you and let you know, like, I woke back up from my nap and, you know, I just, and I was like, you just lying and continue your perpetual. I'm just like, wait a minute. As if the Bronx. In Brooklyn, I, I, you just right. oh my god, it's long distance. <laughs> this oh, nigga man. was out at two o'clock in the morning, and I was like, "Wow!" If you like literally, and and so I then I told him about like how I felt about the him like dancing, and he was just like, just like felt like so attacked, and I'm just like, and he was like, "I hope we could like move past this." He was like hitting me up consistent. I'm just like. You're joking. And so then we now speak. And then I proceed to see him at every single event that I go to because that's how Brooklyn is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my curve. Um, I don't really curve niggas that badly because unless... Oh, no. I guess there's one time in Afropunk. I don't really talk about it. I think that was long enough. Um, but yeah, I curve niggas on a daily. It's more so just like I just don't speak. Damn. I try not to hurt them, though. Wow, I'm still reeling from that. <laughs> I cannot believe. Okay, I can't believe. But like to turn around and dance with somebody else, right? While you're on a date, that's so disrespectful. <laughs> oh, God. We need to put one at signs up of that nigga. <laughs> like there needs to be like, never mind. But they put out a ransom note, not to hurt because we do not endorse violence. Violence. Well, actually, mm. well, no, no, no. well. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's real fucked up. I ain't got no. I ain't got no curving or curved tails. I would tell you to get on the apps again, but I won't because they're nothing but nah. white girls. The same people who approach me in physical life, right. that's the same people but who so approach you, me on the apps. I'm not interested in that market, but you got it on lock and you don't I, even want it. I don't even want it. Nah, like, that's not me. I saw just one girl. She was on her. She had uh, one of her text posts was... Uh, I am not attracted to white women. <laughs> white girls, please stop liking Leave me. Leave me alone. <laughs> That's so real. 
I feel like I'm socially awkward, but I'm trying to get better at that. I say, hey, how you doing? That's my one line. Right. Like, I, I, I feel like I do that with, like, black people in general, but especially when I see... I saw this real... You know I mean, just a total baddie at the bookstore. And I, like... I just... You know, we were going in, and I opened the door for her, and I was like... Hi! <laughs> and she was probably like, that bitch needs help. <laughs> so. You should just be like... At the bars in the mall. No, I don't know that. Actually, I don't know. I can't help you. I'm sorry. Let me not speak. <laughs> I'm glad you can't even hear that shit because. Yeah. That, 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 Why is that laugh? <laughs> That's the loudest I've ever heard. We should keep inviting Ahmad back for his spectacular optimism. <laughs> I can't even help you. <laughs> <laughs> Your life sucks. Ah! You're miserable. You'll stay miserable. You were born miserable. <laughs> I, I don't think that's what the the people got from that. Um, you said I can't even help you. I said I can't even help you because that's not my experience. I'm not a queer woman of color, so mm-hmm. I don't. Y'all, that your world is totally different from my dating world. It is. Like it I've helps. never, I've never tried. I've like I've never like. Tried, you know, like made their first move, asked anyone out. I feel like that's that's on my to do list. It's pretty liberating. It is because when it works, listen, mm-hmm. especially okay. So I don't know. That's not a story, but like I don't know when it works and it's like wow, like I didn't get rejected, or even if when you do get rejected, just like getting used to getting rejected, it's just a skill. I did say it was delicate though. Well, I like to me. I don't understand. Maybe maybe I'm more extroverted than I give myself credit for. Oh, you're but extremely. You extremely. Yeah, you're the most extroverted person I know. You walk in and start talking. Right. I'm, extra- mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like the person that's looking at the floor, I darting at you eyes. I you say something most times. That's yeah, me. but, but I, when I think about extrovertedness, oh, maybe this is like a psychological take, but I, I always think about where I recharge. Yeah. And I do think I recharge with people, but I also need like complete yeah. silence and like... Yeah. I think it's normal to have like be alone though at, at any point mm-hmm. in time. So I, I feel like most of the time you don't get any energy from being around people. Oh, yeah. So yeah. 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 You're I, definitely extroverted. No, I find it to be a completely and utterly overwhelming experience. <laughs> And I usually want it to be over as soon as it has begun. So you won't go to the concert with me? How you gonna go to two concerts within three days? You not going to collect like, gee, you bogus as hell. You finna sell your ticket? No, I'm going. Oh, okay. I thought you sold your ticket. <laughs> she forgot. No, I didn't. Um, Sis concert is on the 9th. Kalella is on the 12th. We are still rolling. Yeah. That's gonna be edited out. <laughs> What? I'm gonna be there. Holla at me. At okay, <laughs> I think. <laughs> then I we, just say I'm not putting no effort. Yeah, you just you can't help it. You I'm just, just gonna be me. You just got I mean, fat tendencies. And <laughs> <laughs> this has been fun. It truly has. Thanks for having me, guys. I truly love you all. Thank you so much. You not getting invited back? <laughs> oh my god! Wait, no, they didn't hear that. Or maybe just like just make it go louder. Okay, so yeah, thank y'all for having me. It's been great being on the queer walk. Being. You know, a correspondent for this, just like lovely. <laughs> Another correspondent. Oh shit! Where can people find you? Can you? Um, I, I mean, if y'all really want to, f- okay. So my video work, if you all are interested in video art and short film, is on vimeo.com slash Ahmad R Saeed. Um, it'll be in, I guess, in the description box. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm pretty like popping on Instagram. I'm not pretty popping, but just follow me on Instagram, mm-hmm. Ahmad R Saeed as well. Um. 
And your Twitter? And my Twitter is Maad Saeed, um, M-A-A-H-D-S-A-E-E-D. All right. And, you know, follow Queer Walk all the regular places. Please use the hashtag, hashtag QueerWOC, if you're talking about this uh, podcast episode on any of the social media Leave reviews. Yes. uh, Rate us. Five star, nothing less. Comments. I love the comments. I love uh, the the fact bo- the fact comments that are like, actually, that <laughs> happened on season one. I'm like, oh, thank you. Because, you know, keep us tight. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and that's a wrap, I guess. That's a wrap. <laughs>